Welcome, everybody, to the Patty G Show. I'm your host, Patty G, here with Chris Jordan from OmniDeck. We're going to talk a little tech. We're going to talk a little startup, a little fundraising, pitching, and golf. So you definitely want to stick around for all of that. Before we get started, big shout out to our sponsors, Alvarez Construction and Triton Stone Group. We now have two. That's right. So we're loving them every second of it. And without further ado, Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Appreciate you taking your time and bumping up your schedule with what was supposed to be a 630 launch is now a 530 launch. But I guess for LSU, we kind of. Yeah. We adjust our schedule. We adjust. we adjust around them for sure. Yeah. I tried to call them and they just, they wouldn't move the game time, man. Yeah. You believe that? I do believe that. <laughs> I think everybody would believe yeah. that. But Chris, so what do you do, man? What is, what's OmniDeck? Yeah, so uh, OmniDeck is a, uh, was an idea hatched in a garage about three and a half years ago um, with a, a very um, uh, large concept, which was to, to change the way people work together. And uh, so we we um, we we saw that uh, in the tech space, it was just getting overwhelmed with more and more apps. Like there's an industry term called Appageddon, which is where companies buy too many applications. <laughs> Appageddon. Yeah. So and to put it into context, like in 2010, there was 10,000 software companies in the world. Okay. Uh, today, there's 100,000 and there's going to be a million by 2035. Wait, wait, wait. There's 100,000 Tech companies tech or company. applications? Te- tech software companies. Okay, so, so 100,000 tech software companies in 20, I'm assuming that's 2020? 2020. So yeah. within a 10 year gap, they grew by a factor of 10. Yes. And it's going to do it again by 2035. Oh my God. So think about how we find that, right? We Google search, like, good luck. Google's just going to be an exercise of, you know, trial refreshing. And error, really. Yeah. Yeah. yeah refreshing. I'm your feeling Google lucky as paper like the common theme yeah. for Google. Yeah. So it's, it's just, it's getting convoluted. And, and the concept there is that, you know, uh, Big companies don't buy software like that. They actually build intranet portals. And they do this so they don't have a million apps across 10,000 employees, right? So intranet portals, Mm -hmm. what's an intranet portal? Yeah, so an intranet portal is um, what big companies use uh, to kind of reduce all the noise. So, so like if you went to work for like a Fortune 500 company, let's say Nike, it, you would go to like my Nike and that would be like every process that you're involved in. You would if you want to go on vacation or buy something or request to buy something, whatever you go to the intranet portal to do that. And then you would approve and you know self-service whatever information you need about the company. And you would probably have one or two applications that you're using on a day to day. And uh, so small to mid-sized businesses don't have a million dollars to go build an intranet portal. So they go buy apps. And that's kind of what perpetuates this nonsense, frankly, in the B2B space. And uh, so what OmniDeck says, well, is if somebody could ever figure out, figure out how the small to mid-sized guys could have the luxury of what the big guys have, then you would really kind of mop up. So we're kind of a, uh, uh, a pioneer in this idea of portals for the small to mid-sized business. We, we, um, Kind of, we can do in six hours what it takes six vendors, six months, and six uh, six figures to be able to pull off. So, wow, we're, we're kind of like um, we're because we're out in front. There's other companies that we we kind of copycat off of, and one of them is Salesforce. So, like Salesforce, everybody thinks it's like such a, it's a big great CRM system. No, they were just in the cloud before everybody else. Like literally, their competitors were like, "I'll ship you a CD." <laughs> and they're like, no, nah, I got it from here. So that's why they were so far out in front. Yeah. So OmniDeck's really doing that with portals. And, and and portals really is kind of like the next frontier of, you know, used to be nobody had a website. Now everybody's got a website. In the future, everybody will have a portal. Uh, we just believe that that'll be as part on the OmniDeck business network. Okay. And so that's the, the, so the magnitude of that is really a, a global network, you know, similar in structure to like Facebook and LinkedIn, but applied to B2B communication and how companies work between one another. So... 
when you say that companies go and, and buy apps, mm -hmm. you know, I'm thinking of it in twofold, right? I'm thinking of it first as the business owner and how valuable that is for somebody else to take the time to do all the development, build the teams and build all the technology around it to purchase the application that's going to suit my need, mm -hmm. right? And it's a one-off product is yeah. what you're referring to, right? Yeah. So within that one-off product space, that also excites me from a startup standpoint and, two, and the second part being that you can now go in and design a startup, design an app with the intention of getting bought, right? Yeah. So you can serve company X with your application, which makes it then easier to pitch to investors, mm -hmm. right? I mean, if you've yeah. already got a buyer for your hard for your software, mm -hmm. then it's like, why not fund it? Yeah. You know, so long as the, the acquisition cost makes up for all the startup costs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So within that though, OmniDeck is kind of bridging that gap or kind of coming in the middle, you know? Right. That, that middle ground is kind of where y'all are trying to find them or. Well, so we're, we're a little bit, I'm, I'm assuming you mean like somebody using Omnidex platform to build their own apps. For, for, for right. For right. a customer, you're not going, you're, you're not saying, Hey, you can buy your own app and you're not the big six figure, seven figure tier mm -hmm. where they're going to just build everything out all on their own, mm -hmm. all internally hire the staff. Yeah. You're kind of that middle ground. But a little from bit my understanding or more towards. Yeah, no, we're just not as nice as what you're explaining. <laughs> OK, so if you appreciate like let's, let's take a couple of examples like timesheet apps. There's like a million people that do time collection, mm -hmm. for example. Right. Um, there's really not that many ways of co collecting time. You either have a crew. It's just yourself. You're clocking in and clocking out or you're putting in raw time and signing it or whatever. Um, there's only like five or six variations of that. So in OmniDeck, we can quickly create like when I say quickly, like in an afternoon, Create all six of those, put them as free in the marketplace, and you don't need your time app anymore. So okay. Repeat as needed, expense report, work ticket, gotcha. whatever. So I can go into a company that might have 10 or 15 different applications that they're using, and in 30 days, they've eliminated all of those. And we're now their one-stop shop for everything. Okay, so instead of having to deal with multiple developers yeah. with multiple applications, they can yeah. use one developer to do all of their applications. And not even a developer, literally who works for your company. Okay, so where do y'all? What's y'all's role within a company's organization? Like, if I go yeah. and hire OmniDeck, what's it from step one all the way to step Z? Yeah, so we we give you uh, effectively three sessions with us. In three sessions, you've built out every process in your company. That's how fast it is. Wow. So like when they say like compare that to SharePoint, that's like you know six months and six figures and whatever else. Yeah, that's that's how fast it is. So that's when we say we're a pioneer. We truly are in the space, and and like we're not taking out little vendors. We're taking out like. You know, Zendesk, Concur, Expensify, Procurify, like all these. I mean, if you go into a lot of companies, a lot of them are using these applications. The ones that have OmniDeck don't use any of them. They use their accounting system for the majority of their, their process, or at least it's the engine that's driving it. And they use OmniDeck almost like a wrapper around it to handle every process in the company. And what companies don't realize what they're doing is that Microsoft created these really nasty rules on the way, like if you're going to do work in the world, right, you're going to create these eight and a half by 11s. And we use Word and Excel to create those eight and a half elevens or PDF or whatever. And then our only mechanism of, of getting those back and forth is attaching to an email and throwing it over the fence. Like this is how we do work. Yeah, right? I mean, we I do that. So I do, I do a variation of that internally, right? Yeah. So what we're able to do within our network is hyperlinks mm -hmm. is, is my new internal eight and a half by 11. Yeah. So I'll just hyperlink where the file is located and it's a live file. Yeah. But for the most part, yeah, I get what you're saying. Everybody's yeah. going to be copying, pasting, emailing all these different documents. Well, it takes, take it a step further is that the limitation of an eight and a half by 11 is that is, I don't know why we came up with eight and a half by 11. I guess it just fits <laughs> in your hand. I, I guess um, it's comfortable to fit in your hand. <laughs> so, so appreciate all of that is good for consumption, like a contract. Sure. But when it comes to data, I can't analyze it. I just know what you called it and where you put it. 
that's it. And hope to God you don't put it in the wrong folder. So what do you mean by data and analyzing that? So like, let's take like a purchase request yeah. for, or a timesheet, right? Um, okay, great. This timesheet gets filled out. I see there's, there's six people listed on this timesheet and here's how many hours they work for the day or the week, right? right? Okay. I can't, I'm looking at that through a very focused lens of that particular timesheet. I'm not being able to see how many hours that I've, uh, you know, submitted across for, for this particular project across cost code. I can't analyze it like a, I can't an Excel spreadsheet. Generally, I have to key it into the spreadsheet for me to analyze it, right? Gotcha. Or put it into an accounting system to be able to get it out. In OmniDeck, we can act, everything's now data-driven. And we saw this in electronic medical records. So like Microsoft went from 100% market share overnight to zero because everyone started keying in doctor-patient records sitting you know, at the, at the desk now. They're, all those minimal folders went away. Like, I don't know when they moved them all, but literally overnight. <laughs> so all they we're doing- slowly been taking the boxes out and going to 100 shred it or something. I don't something. know where they went. They gotta be somewhere. Yeah, so, but if you appreciate like the value in that is that now you've got like Watson can go and like machine learn and see cancer across form, whatever else. It's because they're analyzing data. They're not looking at files anymore. So small to mid-sized businesses would never be able to get into that infrastructure left to their own devices. They would have 15 different apps and a bunch of paper everywhere. Right. So what Omnidec does is we just bring all of it together in one hub. And now you can use tools that like Power BI and these dashboard tools that can see your company actually live, like real-time cash, real-time production, real-time analytics. And that's what's so crazy is that I can take a company with like three employees and do it in an afternoon. So it's really pretty powerful. And that's where our biggest competitor is not the little apps that we replace. It's the status quo. People don't know that it exists or they don't know why they need it. And then. And sometimes it's fear of change, right? Sure. It's a fear to go to a different brand. Like what is on, like what the heck is on the deck, you know? Like, is it going to be so difficult to work? Is it going to be something that I have no idea how it functions? You know, that fear. Yeah. And so how do you get around that fear and say, well, it's a really user-friendly tool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you, we, we try to bolt on the things that people are good at. Like people are good at texting. Like we're, we have a single page application, never refreshes. So it's one screen. And then so like, Wait, whenever, what do you mean it never refresh? It's just like a an it's ever live, live web sockets. Yeah. Okay. It's just like, you know, Facebook will ding you if you're, even if you're on it or whatever else. Yeah. So the same concept It's just it's something popped up in your inbox or, or some, somebody submitted a, a request that's urgent status or something like that. So you see it all happen in real time, but you can chat back downstream with anybody in the company, their customer, vendor, whoever you're doing work with. Gotcha. So pretty, pretty, it, we, we make hard things appear simple, I guess. Well, which is huge though, mm-hmm. right? You know, because people, when they think of, oh, I've got to send this email, I've got to send this file, it can be challenging, or I've got to upload this document. I then have to submit this document for somebody to review, mm-hmm. send me their revisions, and I have to go back and edit it. Yeah. Well, instead of that, it's, okay, well, let's both look at this document together at yeah. our separate workstations, and we'll go line by line and edit it together. Yeah, and, and also, and this is one of the things like Slack and Teams, like after COVID, everybody's using business chat now. Yeah. Right. So the issue with that is that it's happening divorced of actual business processes, too. So one thing that Omnidex does really well is that it keeps the chat. We have like our version of Slack, too, but it's chat Omnidex chat next to the actual business process. Well, that's going to live forever with that document. So six months later and when you approved something with your crew about, you know, change work authorization, whatever else, you have the whole story. Uh, of all the teams really yeah right next to it. it'll live in forever so they call that evergreen communication strategy so, so it lives within eight and a half by 11. well it just it's, looks like an eight and a half by 11. it's also okay. it's just a big data yeah it's, it's like for but for people to, to be able yes. to visualize it's within that document yeah. it doesn't look like there's a bunch of squiggly lines everywhere and yeah. people are editing and cross editing it looks like the pdf it, it looks like a pdf but you know it's like oh chats the side chat where you yeah. can click it and look at okay why was this decision made? Why was this verbiage changed? You can yeah. go back and say, oh, John said to Sally, hey, 
I love the idea. Let's change this. Yeah. And then Susie came in and said, oh, great, John, that's perfect. Let's change this. Mm-hmm. And so then you can see that that workflow. It's like, that's how we got here. Yeah. And, and that's the transparency that a lot of the millennial generation wants. Like we're not used to it. Like, I approved it and it went on. And I forgot about it. So that in that open. And I think what Omni Day takes it just a, another step further, too, is that because it's a portal, it can face external. So is that extranet portal you're now you're talking about your subcontractors submitting invoices in or warranty requests or whatever else so that conversation is with the people that you do work with even if they don't work for the company necessarily okay so, so you can even see so how, how do they integrate like somebody from outside the business yes yeah, so they build portals for them so imagine okay, like, so like a customer or a vendor portal or something whatever they can build whatever they want so so like think about if you could like control the different friend types Right. Like, I don't want you to be able to see all of these pictures or only yeah, some, yeah, yeah, some yeah, yeah. subset. Right. So the same thing is that you have personas that work that, that you have your customers and your vendors and maybe unqualified subs versus qualified subs and things like that. So you build a portal literally in 15 minutes and you allow them to submit things to you like a pay application or get on your bid list or whatever else. Those types of interactions, what happens inside of OmniDeck and there's no paper. And we see this already with doctor patient portals. It's mm-hmm. like, I'll come in there and I'll ask the doctor a question or whatever else. We're not sending emails. We're doing that through the portal so the reason you're seeing that is because of the mandate in medical and we just do that for everybody else okay so for like for for example for like an an accounting firm or something Mm -hmm. like that how would that software integrate what does it look like on the on the consumer side well you would be the cpa yeah. relationship. So you'd have a CPA portal where you would actually come in and you could analyze anything that you wanted, all the credit card receipts, all the pay applications. You go see, you know, you know, for this month, do the close, all, all that stuff. But you could literally see, like, why did this invoice get approved? And you'd see every level of the approval and the communication and whatever else. Okay. So if you're doing an audit or, or doing any of that, it's all fair game. Yeah, that makes the, the auditing strategy a lot better because you can see everything from yeah. the get-go. You can't just see, oh, well, they just entered the document yeah. and then there was part of the accounting system. Yeah. But so what about from the actual firm standpoint from like a client force? Like if a firm uh, was to adopt OmniDeck, yeah. what would that look like? And how was the security kind of come into play? Yeah. So it's super secure because it's on the <laughs> Azure cloud, right? Right. So you, you, you've got a lot of encryption going on that, that and plus it's Microsoft doesn't go anywhere. Um, so, uh, but internal purposes, you, you start looking at a couple of different places. The first of which is you know, just general stuff, expense reports, pay time off requests, things like that. But then also, you know, y'all are kind of in the same boat that, that we have too, is that, you know, our projects aren't like construction projects. It's like a client audit or whatever else. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah. client tax return or a client bookkeeping yeah. file. Something so, so you like might that. be, you might be working across multiple clients doing a timesheet, right? So you're filling out, okay, I worked two hours on this, three and a half on this or whatever else. And then submit it done well at the, I, i'm effectively creating your time transaction i'm sending back into your accounting system so somebody has to key it in but you can also go if i need to do a billing for this client because give me every hour that was coded against a billable hour for this client for the last week or 30 days there it is bill so okay. you, you could literally have your client sign off on the portal every time you do it too so you'd have literally their sign off on every activity we, we do that for our service projects so and you can include like DocuSign or something like that OmniSign. OmniSign. Yeah, you okay. keep bringing in these apps. We get rid I'm, of those apps. Okay, I'm sorry, man. I'm, <laughs> so, I'm just I'm trying to wrap my head around because yeah. it it's like it's I'm used to all these different yeah. apps, and all these different plugins that you got to use. Yeah. And so now it's all you know. But you're right. But you, you appreciate it. That's what we saw and why we birthed OmniDeck is like DocuSign is like the third largest software company in the planet. It just lets you sign a document. Well, and, and since That's all it does. Well, it lets you sign a document, <laughs> but it's like 
okay, your signature is approved, right? Yeah. Like you can go and do a loan yeah. and like refinance a house or purchase a house and do yeah. a bulk of it DocuSign. Yeah. So it's like the wet signature phase that we were used to be in is no yeah. longer here, or no yeah. longer prevalent. Yeah, we're, we're going to displace a lot of that too. Because one of the things that DocuSign is so attached to is that eight and a half by 11. And what they're not, so if, you, if the eight and a half by 11 goes away, they're kind of in a weird position. And this is what OmniDeck creates, right? Well, we do things a little bit differently because <clears throat> the user profile is not just your profile, my name, and whatever else. It's a blockchain wallet. So the idea, okay. yeah. So so let's follow this step for yeah, a second. Yeah, let's let's get on. So the, what do you DocuSign for? Contracts usually, right? Contracts. We do like tax returns, yeah. um, audits, engagement letters. A, at least it's from my from sure. my standpoint, a plethora yeah. of documents. So let, let's take the the idea of a contract and convert that from an eight and a half by eleven contract where we're going to scribble or whatever to a smart contract. Okay, well, smart contracts are a little bit different. These are transactional. These are paragraphs that mean something. If I do this, uh, you're going to pay me that, right? It's like kind of an if then statement. So we're building those contracts up. Well, that creates effectively a smart contract that we can write to blockchain. It's tamper proof. <clears throat> we generally do draw requests or payment applications to, and percent completes to, a, to effectively work through ultimately finishing our contract. Right. Well, that's done through a, a payment application today It's a whole paper process that, that gets that done. In our case, I'm tracking literally the timesheet on, hey, you're working on this or whatever else. Well, I'm keeping track of all of that activity. So whether you're the little guy out in the job site just working, doing welding or whatever else, you're getting credit with your participation because you're working on that job's smart contract. So what that's doing is it's depositing your work activity into your blockchain wallet. So this is going to displace the idea of a resume. It's going to displace the idea of Angie's List, all of that. And we think it's the first practical use case of blockchain. So using the blockchain for someone to then, like you said, displacing the resume. So mm -hmm. to then take that and say, I was a, I can show you what projects I worked on, basically. I wouldn't need to show it to you. Here's my blockchain wallet. It's just like a friend request, but it's like a really it's like a data exchange where you'd say you can trust this because I actually participate in these projects. It's so, tamper proof. So what about for like uh, confidentiality purposes? Like maybe you can't disclose what client you are working on, but you can disclose the type of work you did. Yeah. So, again, things that get worked out as we go. <laughs> as we go. But what's provision in OmniDeck is all of is that lo the logistical hurdles of being able to execute a contract smart contract and alleviate that debit and credit through the percent complete. And then you have the blockchain wallet just keeping track of everybody's activity that's on it. So what we appreciate what we're building is that we think that, you know, it's 2021, right? We're still giving resumes on this is what I said about myself. Yeah. You know, that's, this, that's this what, what I say. I worked here from there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. I guess. Right. But it, there's something we think that honesty it will be at an absolute premium in the future. And Omnidex goal is to create that. Now, we go about it at the work level because, you know, people are generally where the dollars, they are who their bank account is truly. And they also are what they are at work because that's generally if you know, you're going to be, you've got to make a paycheck, right? Yeah. Then you're going to, that's going to be who you are, right? And what you do. So we think that that's a whole, it's a much better place to, to be able to put that, I would say. And uh, so that's kind of what we're, we're building is, you know, we, we, we call ourselves a multi-enterprise portal network. So as each company kind of builds their own network and they create these kind of new ways of doing business, we had the forethought to build it like Facebook and like LinkedIn. So to scale, we think that the future, um, everyone's going to have a portal and be an Omnideck portal. And hey, so I love it. We'll see. Or nothing. The biggest. <laughs> or, or, or it'll all go away. Yeah, and or we'll this just, is a huge we'll waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so OmniDeck has, you know, 
there's there's some ambitious goals which as a a, a kind of semi partially tech individual i can see them being achieved and i can see their use Hmm. so how did we get here right you know we said we're going to talk about golf so i'm sure there's a a golf story we're going to get to within your history so kind of walk me through what you did before omnideck what kind of a kid were you and just kind of how you got here sitting in front of me yeah sure so I, i my parents raised an energizer bunny Okay, so <laughs> I, I, have, I have Tourette syndrome for one. So it's not I don't, the, the verbal piece of it, but so Tourette syndrome and OCD are on a spectrum. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm just super laser focused on what I care about. And if I'm not, if I don't care about it, it doesn't exist. So wow. I'm super, I mean, like get out of my way kind of thing. So when in golf, that was what it could have been anything, but it was golf for me because I could do it on my own. And, and go play it. But I played it so much, like I tore up a bunch of ligaments in my hip getting ready to play in college. And uh, so it really kind of ended my career before it really got started. So I found myself going like, I spent all of this effort only learning one craft that is irrelevant and stupid, frankly. And then, so I said, I gotta find something out, some other outlet for this competitiveness and, and whatever else. And uh, so <clears throat> what ended up happening was uh, I lost my job. I was teaching kids how to play golf or whatever else. So I lost my job and then had to get a real job. And it was the recession. So I was selling software in this windowless server room, um, asking people if they wanted document management, workflow automation. And the answer was always no. And it sucked. And I said, oh, I'll never do this for a career. I'm just, this will just be where I live for a little bit. Well, the recession was so bad. I was like, I got to just get good at this, I guess, and put up with it. So a couple of years down the road of, of selling software, um, I got pretty good at it. And then um, I started seeing, you know, just paying attention, like what customers wanted, you know, in the recession is like the, the greatest thing that happened to me. was the economy was so bad because the com a, the customer had a lot of time to spend with you and tell you what they were really looking for and why you didn't maybe hit that, uh, right. meet, meet that demand. So all I did was just shut up and let them talk. And, and I learned just so much about what the client wanted and where they were headed and what their ultimate vision was. So fast forward a couple of years into that, I said, okay, I'm, 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 how hard could it be? You know, it wasn't anything. Like, it's not like <laughs> how Steve. How hard can building data processing and data well, interchanges well, be? So I didn't say I was the smartest guy in the world. <laughs> yeah. So, but I appreciate it. as a sales guy, you would go to these trade shows and you would see these, their business owners that are man in the trade shows. And you're just like, this, this isn't Steve Jobs. Like, this is just. Yeah, they're personable. So, yeah. yeah they're well, to talk to you. Well, and I would say like in, especially in construction field services space, like they, they like you used to do the welding and <laughs> they just said like, Hey, this would be way easier and built a software company 25 years later. You know, they got a big company, a thousand users. So there wasn't anything I, I, I learned right there that there, there was no real barrier. It was just somebody could go do it and execute it. So <clears throat> the first company I bought, um, I crashed and burned. It was not good at all. Um, so that, that was a disaster. Um, um, some buddies of mine in denim, uh, kind of bailed me out uh, and said, hey, look, we've got some stuff we can put together. So they helped me save a couple of clients. Um, and then we were having a meeting probably, this was 2014-ish or so. And we said, we were building like this like work order thing that needed to get approved or whatever. And I said, you know, if you could control the questions and answers, you could do virtually anything for companies. So I said, okay, well, let's do that. Well, we threw that together pretty quickly. And I was like, I guess we're doing this now. <laughs> so and how, how most startups happen. I got yeah. this idea. We'll sit down with some buddies yeah. and we'll just hash it out. And then all of a sudden, oh, all right, we just, <laughs> we're, we're, doing we're doing it. it. Yeah. So so what, what made that interesting is that I said, okay, well, we've got this. I know how to sell. So I went to about 50 customers and I pre-sold them. So I said, hey, look, I'll give you five grand up front and I'll give you five grand when I deliver it. But we're building this thing out. Here's what it looks like. I was showing a prototype. So I got 50 people to do that. 
And so uh, when we delivered it, it was a disaster. It was so bad. I mean, so bad. And, As, uh, so, so that just goes just to prove the point for people listening. Yeah. Get the product out there. Hmm. doesn't have to be perfect. It yeah. doesn't have to be crisp and just pure perfection. Yeah. Just get it out there. So yeah. you got it out there and it was a disaster. Yeah. Well, I think in, 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 to, to that point, you have to realize that if you didn't raise any money or you raised 50 grand, you're building the prototype. Do not kid yourself in thinking that this is the one you're going to sell to Facebook or whatever. Right. <laughs> it's not. It's the prototype. So I think that if you're if you can if you can think about it from that perspective, it's like where am I on this development roadmap? I'm in prototype stage and there's nothing wrong with that. Facebook or all these companies went into prototype stage. So what I didn't recognize was that I was in prototype stage and I went and cut a licensing deal with one of the larger accounting systems. And that's why it just, it made cratered. It was so bad. And that's why it's because you had this, I finally made it. I had all this influx of business and the software literally was failing in front of us. So the good news about that though, is that we had proven out that, Hey, people want to buy this. And if we could ever get it right, it'd be great. It's proof of concept. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So, so we raised effectively, we've raised 3.5 million locally to, to be able to do this. But like it was in just like 500 grand, 150 grand, <laughs> whatever, just like <laughs> over and over, over. Um, but you know, it's just kind of part and parcel to, you know, we, the big, biggest criticism I have for for how I've done this is that I'm too pot committed to Baton Rouge. I just love I love the city. I love the people here. I I want to do something to this magnitude here in Baton Rouge because it'd be awesome. Which and, I love. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, just, it would be so much fun because our culture, even New Orleans, whatever else, it's just like people don't realize how awesome it is to live here because everybody generally likes each other. Like it's a, it's a really great culture. So the idea of building a massive tech company here would be just really great. And uh, but the the knock on that is. I could have made my life a whole lot easier raising five million in the valley and just build. I mean, how much further would I have been? I don't know. So those are the things that will be the telltale of yeah, he should have done that, or and it didn't matter. Yeah. So those are the things that keep me up. But which I mean, at the end of the day, if you're happy where you're at geographically, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're if you're in with good people, if you know that the people around you are there to support you, and like you yeah. said, we generally like all everybody here in Baton Rouge, right? Yeah. If you're around that community, it's just a matter of time before you're able to reach what you could reach in the valley. Yeah. You know, and just having that patience and understanding that the best, you know, overnight success is 10 years in the making. Yeah. Is that mentality go into it with, mm -hmm. you know, now, yes, yeah, some of them can start a, can start a company tonight and then tomorrow it, it would blow up. You know, yeah. some people have that effect, but the norm is that just hold steady keep pushing, keep working and being consistent, yeah. right? Consistency is key when you're growing any company, any brand. Yeah. And so seeing you do that here in Baton Rouge is like exciting to me yeah. that you were like, I'm building a tech company, a major tech company. Yeah. You know, we rate, you raised three and a half, three point something million dollars, right? Yeah. You're not just some small company that says, oh, we raised, you know, a hundred thousand yeah. dollars and we're just getting by, yeah. you know, it's no, we raised three and a half, we raised three point something million dollars and we're actually getting our product in front of consumers here in Baton Rouge. Yeah. So was all of your all of your funding that you raised was here locally or uh, did you get from outside? Almost all of it. We word of mouth kind of <laughs> got it from a couple of other places like uh, we have two guys out of Nashville and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, 95 percent of the dollars we raised were here. Uh, I'll tell you this one thing, too, which is what um, and I think this is a startup thing. This is why we have such an opportunity to incubate more companies here. Is because when you're when you're in the garage band mode, yeah. like the people you're in the garage <clears throat> with matter. 
And I can tell you, and and for whatever reason, like everybody in Baton has a little chip on their shoulder and like, we just want to prove the world wrong. Right. And it is so, (laughs) it's so therapeutic to have it kind of this family oriented thing that you, when you're building something cool, cause it's fun because we're doing it together. Like almost everybody that works with us, I think, I mean, of the, I think that we have 15 employees now, like 13 of them are options guys that actually have equity in the company. So, I mean, we just, we literally are doing it together. So it's just something rewarding, A, knowing that you're not doing it by yourself. Cause if you were in the Valley, it would be like numbers driven. Like we don't care what you're building, but you better hit your number. You know, you better hit cool. your numbers, better hit your metrics. Yeah. We better hit our numbers too, but it, it's fun to do that with people that, that yeah. you care about, you know, too. So, but that's, but, I mean, that's, that's great. So what did you like, what was that process like going through, going from nothing to idea phase to now we have to get money for this. Yeah. Like how did that work? From start to finish. Yeah. So the I, I'm an evangelist on this is that you know a lot of a lot of people can't raise money here, and it has everything to do with them as an entrepreneur because <clears throat> entrepreneur or, or in, they don't know how to think like investors, and I didn't either until I learned how to think like an investor. <laughs> it's like people get super tied to their products. It's the greatest product ever. How can you not see it? They don't care what your product is. They care that you're competent. And one of the issues that a lot of people, what we've never really had the issue with was that we knew what we were building. And we were also very realistic to ask for the money that it was going to require to pull it off. Because too many people say like, hey, if I had like another hundred grand, I could hire another developer. So what? What is that going to do? You know, you're going to as soon as you get done with that, you're going to need a support department and then you're going to need to have a marketing budget. You're not asking for enough money or you're not asking for the you don't have a good use of proceeds, right? Because people don't mind investing in something if they know you've thought it all the way through. If you haven't thought it all the way through, they're not going to think it all the way through because it's too easy for them to say, no, thanks, right? Yeah. Well, well, we'll get to the next person who does think it all the way through. Yeah, that's right. And, and so, you know, one of the things that we, we've always always done is saying, okay, let's look down the road. What are we really going to need to do it right? Like, forget about doing it bare minimum, like to do it right and have all the right people in the right place. What do we need to do it? And, uh, and, and it's hard because man so many times you want to make these decisions off of your checkbook and you cannot you gotta i tell my board all the time i'm like i i don't think like a rich man i think like a freaking poor scrappy (laughs) like cut you behind the thing guy so but the reality of it is is that you know i have to get advisorship from their perspective like what am i not looking at like you know i don't i don't know what i don't know and you know a lot of those things like that's what we have to recruit at our board level we have two guys from silicon valley and that's their job is to watch my blind side as far as Am I saying that I'm going to need $2 million to execute this? And I'm not, it's like that times three, if I'm going to actually do it. So I think that's a lot of the time is, you know, people, I heard somebody pitch the other, they were talking to an investor out of the Valley and was like, why are you raising $150,000 to hire a developer? And he was like, oh, because that's how much developers cost here. I was like, you misread that comment. He said, why are you, why are you hiring one developer? Evidently what you're working on isn't worth my interest. You know, right. because you know somebody that's got a hundred million dollars doesn't want to make another five hundred thousand dollars. They want no. to make another hundred million dollars, right? Yeah. And so a, a lot of times it, you know, there's just a mismatch, you know, where and I think it's it's people trying to it's it's non classically trained founders and it, it, no one's classically trained generally trying to go raise capital with classically trained investors. And that disconnect, I think, is really what keeps people from going, mm, I'm not going to write you a check. <laughs> I don't, like, maybe you could pull it off, but I'll right. get down the road and then I'll write you a check. So yeah. how do we fix that? You know, that's a good question. I, I don't know because it's not, the best, the best ideas come from people that actually went to work yeah. and figured it out, right? 
So, you know, I think shows like Shark Tank help. Like I, I barely passed like half a semester at LSU. Like that, this is what you're working <laughs> with. And, but, but I didn't know, like I literally, like if I said, like, there's three, three things that helped me build my first pitch. Shark Tank. I was a big fan of Shark Tank. Huge Silicon Valley fan. I mean, I'm Ehrlich Bachman for sure. And then, and then um, uh, two was just uh, watching The Social Network. Is because you watched that movie going like, this was just some kid in his dorm room. And he had a pretty good idea. And then like, what did he do? We well, went and raised money. Like that was the first thing. Now he had a little bit of traction, of course. But then like, you know, they kind of go through the whole whole piece and like, oh, there's people out there that actually get right, you know, give money out, you know. And then what I think was really the the perpetuation on, on the Facebook side is that he surrounded himself like the guy from Napster, I forgot what his, his uh, Sean Parker. That guy got him thinking about the world, right? He was in there going, like, we don't know what it is yet. Maybe it's the Facebook and it's where we can advertise. And like he was way too early for advertising. And Sean Parker really said, no, it's bigger, right? Expand your vision. And I would argue that the reason Facebook got the early funding is because Sean Parker had already built a disruptive company before. So they had adult supervision, you know, in, in, in <laughs> That's the That's saying, hey, done it. Why yeah. don't you look at this idea? Yeah, I know what disruption is. I disrupted the music industry. I can disrupt this too. So I think that, you know, it's it's a very difficult art, but man, I tell you, success breeds success. And that's why I think what's missing in Baton Rouge is a big tech company because it'll accelerate these universities to get serious about their their programs. You know, like they don't need, IBM doesn't need more developers. That's not the thing. Like we need good developers learning good craft on newer technology and building stuff. You know, yeah. and the, and we need capital here to perpetuate it. So getting, getting the uh, the people down and actually doing the work, you know, yeah. not just talking about it. Yeah, which is huge. Yeah. So you go from the startup to you go to now you're you're pitching, you're raising capital, right? Mm-hmm. So when you when you go to do that, you know, for example, for Brew this year, mm-hmm. how do you go into the thought of prepping a pitch, getting in front of people, and just laying it all out there? This is my company. This is my baby. Like. Here it is. How do you go about that? Yeah, the hardest thing is it's your baby, and people <laughs> don't care about your baby. Like that's the not yeah. like people yeah. don't care about your baby like you yeah. do. Yeah, people care about your baby. Like, how's your baby gonna make me money? That's what. They, yes, yeah, right? ultimately, that's yeah. what it is. How's yeah. it, how am I gonna see a return on yeah. my investment? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that it's, especially it's knowing your audience, right? And I have a terrible. I'm terrible at this generally. So like, you know, when you're pitching generally to an investor, they're all finance guys generally. So like. They don't even care about the pitch deck. They just want to see your numbers, right? <laughs> so, like, if you spend too much time on the product, you've lost them, right? So, you got to get in. How am I going to make money? What's the return? They like the terms of the contract. So, in Brew Week, it was more just like, yeah, there's people, you know, it's a little bit more kind of like, you know, entrepreneurship, local, you know, invest, whatever. So, that had to be a little bit more storytelling about what the product does. But we have a very complicated product. because It's, it's pretty complex. It is complicated because what the product is is not what the company is doing. And it's a lot of disconnect, right? And then you get in the blockchain. Don't even worry about the blockchain. Don't even worry about it. We'll, we'll meet you there later. So, it's hard. To, how do you explain it to people in a, a short setting? And a lot of people don't realize this. Like, that was a pretty hard 10-minute um, uh, whatever, but I've pitched to a lot of the angel groups around like New Orleans Angels and Banerjee Angels. It's a hard seven. So you have seven minutes and there's somebody sitting in front of you like five, with, with, with a two, car. yeah, and like done. You, so you better get through it. Well, there's no room for riffraff. There's no room for any of that. So you got to, it's like, here's what we do. Here's how we make money. And, and there's a, a pretty, you know, uh, consistent or, or standard flow to it. But yeah, the the one of the hard parts that I think is that because it's so rigid like that, big ideas get kind of cramped in that. 
you know, and, and like I, I, no angel group has ever given us any money, which is fascinating. Really? Not one. Like I've like the, all the emails that like I put in my hate file because one day I'm going to name whatever. Uh, they're all from the angel heads. But all the in, a lot of the investors, 27 shareholders are part of those groups, but they've invested in our company. So, so they invest separately. Outside. Separately. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is, but it's because that seven minutes is so cramped. The dollars that we raise are generally eating breakfast at, you know, La Madeline's and and just talking through what we do, why we do it and how we're going to execute on it. You know, and in, in investment needs to move into that, because I think if the if the investment community would meet the entrepreneurs where they're at, it's like, OK, we're not in Boston or we're not in Silicon Valley. These aren't going to be polished guys, but let's let's try and let's spend a little bit of time kind of getting through the week, is there something here or not, rather than initially the first pass being no, you know, th- that would probably be a good, a good place to start. And, and do you think that that style of business or that style of capital raising is unique to Baton Rouge alone, where it's, you got to take the person out to breakfast and instead of giving them a seven minute pitch in front of a whole panel? Well, I think that it's, it's different. Um, I, I think every pitch is different. Some, some are pretty straightforward. Like I'm just saying, but like sometimes like, you know, I got, I've, I've got a, a friend of mine that built some like robotics thing. That's got a magnet that cleans the bottom of a barge. Like no one on Shark Tank would care about that utility, but there's a lot of people around here that would, right? And hey, this is a pretty cool tool. Obviously, we're in this I-10 corridor that would, there's a million people that could use this and be big value add uh, to them. You know, so like those things are not great in a, you know, you, you need to work through that. Maybe not the right. breakfast scenario, but hey, come to my office on the river and let's talk what you've got. You know, because those are the, our investors don't look like that either. Our investors are owner operators and they're generally construction guys or some field service, you know, type component. Um, so, no, I, I think that o- overall, um, again, success, breeding success is that the more ideas that we have, um, you know, the more opportunities will, will open up, you know, yeah. for people, for sure. Which is great. So kind of starting to kind of get towards the end of the show and winding down, we've got a, a set list of questions we typically ask. So the first one that we ask is throughout your journey thus far, you've done a lot. You've gone from, you know, rambunctious, adventurous kid, mm-hmm. energizer bunny to playing golf, to being pro in golf, to then starting this tech startup, you've probably learned some lessons along the way. So what are like three lessons you've kind of gathered throughout your journey? Yeah, don't limit yourself on your checkbook. Just if you if you got a vision and you can get other people to believe in your vision, preferably rich people, uh, <laughs> you can do anything you want. Like, and, and the more I understand, I didn't understand the quote that uh, Steve Jobs had, which was like the, the greatest things on this planet were built by people no smarter than you. Right. And so th- that to me, I was like, sh- surely they're smarter than me. Like, that's a thing. <laughs> like, uh, they got a lot of room for that. But but the truth of the matter is, is that no one person built anything. It's always a team. It's always a group that had, you know, somebody had the idea or the vision or, or at least the early concept of what it needed to do. And then it was it was how can you put, build a team that can execute on it? And there's so few people that are doing that. And frankly, there's more and more of that. It's like less people are like, you know, I like my comfort zone. I don't want to, you know, forego a paycheck for a year or whatever else that it takes to kind of, you know, pull something off the ground. I think that's that's a big piece of it is that you, you can't do anything on your own. You know, so the sooner you learn that, the more your world opens up because then you start bringing in more people and you need investment dollars, too. And then because if you have an idea, your idea can be Uber, your idea could be Omnideck, you know, don't limit it. You know, just go execute it. Go find the amount of money it's going to take you to do it. Go find the right people that can write you that check that can allow you to do it. And <laughs> go right. change the world, you know, because the people in charge of this world don't have that great of ideas. You know, Facebook's trying to sell you something all day. 
that's all their idea is. Yeah. Google's trying to make it easier for you to search what they're trying to sell you. You're right. So, I mean, it's nobody's got that great of an idea, you know, and the world's the world is such an uh, it's the wild, wild west. And somebody can come up with an idea and really change things for the better, because, frankly, I think the world needs it. Um, the, the other two, I would say, it's just freaking work hard, man. Like, uh, and, and dream big. I, like I, I told my wife this other day, cause she, I mean, we, we went through like three years without a paycheck, like it's like, like wits and like bare minimum. And it's like, we built it by ourselves. Like we, we together through all that. I mean, we took chances. Yeah. It was not fun. And we, you know, it, it was miserable there for a little bit, but man, you know, now we're starting to see the other side of it. It's like we did it together, our relationship stronger. It's just, you know, we've lived a very adventurous life. And that's, there's something to that. You know, there's something that you only get one life on this planet. You might as well enjoy it and have fun. And, and, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of a spiritual guy too. And I feel like the Lord puts callings on people's heart. And sometimes people wrestle with that, whatever it is. And they feel like, mm, I don't want to mess with my 401k, so I won't do it. Or, I, I, you know, yeah, maybe oh, I'm thinking, well, they'll spend their whole life thinking about it. I was, yeah, I always thought I maybe should have done that. You probably should have done it. You'd have lived this really great life. And instead, you know, you know, you get to retire early, I guess. You know, but there's like little things that, you know, I think we get so caught up in like, you know, all the rules of society and what we need to what makes sense or what, you know, don't touch my 401k. Don't touch my credit score. Don't do all this stuff like that's not where adventure lives you know yeah. and so i would say jump when in doubt jump because you'll never regret it you know and also you can always go work for a big company like you could literally just go hand out chicken through a window at canes and own one in seven years like that's how that works <laughs> so it's not the end of the world you know those things will always be there but you only get one idea i think or, or a couple of ideas and might as well jump you know yeah at least get your feet wet right why not? Do it. Why not? <laughs> Better to do it and fail than to not do it for sure. Yeah, no, I love that. So what is <clears throat> what is something you did as a kid you wish you could still do today? Uh, touch my toes, I guess. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Eat carbs. Like, I don't know. Uh, no, I wish um, I was telling my wife this the other day. We're in so much stress with the company. And and I genuinely have I stress and joy are not one or the They're other interchangeable yeah so but so like i have a lot of fun like our our whole team is fun um but one day i woke up the other day and uh i forgot that i was chris jordan and ran omni day and i was just like oh man peace like i was like man this feels great and then i started thinking about all the things i had to do and i was like oh back to normal and i was like i realized that that's how far i was from just like just no responsibilities, no peace. And so that I, I, I told her, I told my wife about that too. I was just like, ah, I was like, I, I don't realize how far I am away from like true peace and calm and whatever else. And, and uh, I have a little boy and a, a little girl who are just like, you know, getting into sports and cheerleading, whatever else. And I, and I, I'm, I'm seeing how just unfettered joy and no responsibilities. I just, those are the, the things I, I would love to be able to hit timeout for a minute and not be Chris Jordan for a bit. And then, then tap back in. I would certainly tap back in, but, uh, but a, a break every now and again is always nice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I can't go on vacation. It's just too much going on. You know, that's, yeah. you know, I signed up for it. So it is what it is. You know? Yeah. And that's the, the part of the entrepreneur that not everybody likes to talk about. Right. Yeah. They like talk about the glory days, the best days when you've <laughs> yeah. made it, they don't talk about, Oh, the, the years and years and years of yeah. no vacations, no out to dinners, you know, eating yeah. the, low end of the totem pole, like just going and going and going yeah. until you finally one day wake up and go, oh, we've made it. All right. Yeah. Head back down and getting right back to it. Yeah. So that's right. 
What do you love about Baton Rouge? Just the people are so great. And it's one of those things where like we, we um, I lived in Destin, Florida for a bit. And this is probably the best example of this is like, I thought I, I was like, you know, Baton Rouge is great and all, but like who wouldn't want to live in Destin? And we moved to Destin and it was fine. But guess who our best friends were? People from Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge. <laughs> right. So, you know, you start realizing that with the absence of culture, you, you realize how much culture you have when you be around people that don't have as much culture. Like we, we uh, spent a lot of time in Birmingham with, with another venture and like great people up there, but you're not going to have a craw, you know, crawfish bowl with those people. You know, it's, it's just a different, there's a little bit of rawness to what we do and, you know, a little bit of sense of sarcasm and whatever. And it's just, it makes life fun, you know? Right. And uh, I think it's just the people in Baton Rouge and, 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 you know, there's just so much ingredients where you have like the oil and gas sector and you have hardworking people. You have people with big personalities. You have all the right ingredients to do some really cool stuff. I just think that, you know, we haven't had the right outlet yet, you know. And, you know, we always say like, you know, Silicon Valley, you know, we've got the Death Valley here if we ever uh, <laughs> ever can pull it off. <laughs> so that's our goal. Yeah, the Death Valley is where everybody comes, where yeah. hopes and dreams come to die. Where our right? competitors' dreams come to yeah, die for sure. Competitors' comes, dreams come to die. <laughs> that's Absolutely. Our, so. Yeah. For, for the final question for you, Chris, what is something I can do to help? Well, I'd say keep this, keep promoting, uh, you know, um, entrepreneurship needs to be highlighted, you know, and, and you know, like I said, Shark Tank, it, it kind of does this a little bit where people start thinking, oh, you know, I've always had that idea or whatever else. But yeah, just, you know, keeping the word out and, 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 and investing in people's stories because, you know, people have to, I, I think the, the only way that people will actually make a jump and, and try to do something new is if they can kind of empathize with somebody like, hey, that guy's not. I'm smarter than that guy. Like that's how I got this business. <laughs> I yeah. can do, I can do better can than do that it. guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got quoted in some better business report thing. It was the stupidest thing I ever said, but, and I'll say it again on this, but I was like, um, uh, I said, if Mark Zuckerberg can make $80 billion, surely I can make a billion. Like he's not 80 times smarter, <laughs> like, but that was as stupid as it was. But like, you know, the reality, sometimes you just need that. Like, you know, that guy just had one idea and now he's the third richest man in the world. Like, you know, it's, it's, it is. It's there's people that do these things. They just went and did it, and then they got lucky. You know. Yeah. Sometimes things aren't as lucky. You just might have a good idea and just execute on it. And know? that's the the biggest thing I've seen with with entrepreneurs or businesses in general. Everybody's got an idea. Yeah. Everybody's got a novel idea. Everybody's got an excellent idea. Yeah. But not everybody acts. Yeah. Not everybody takes that that idea and puts it into practice. They don't wake up every day and act on that idea. Yeah. They just keep thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. And then when something happens, oh. Yeah. Man, I had that idea. It was yeah. so great. Why didn't I do it? Why didn't I pursue yeah. it? It's like, well, you could have. You had you had the idea. You yeah. had the opportunity. You just yeah. didn't actually put your foot forward yeah. and go with it. When you think about the bigger the idea, too, the fewer people on the planet that are actually trying to do anything. Yeah. And that's what I think OmniDeck has a swinging uh, chance to be able to do is that nobody's trying to disrupt the way that we do resumes and work together. Like Microsoft's fine. He's got it. Right. Until we come in and we're just this really annoying little brother that does some stuff really better than you do. Right. We're not so, going anywhere. Yeah. And, and, you know, the greatest thing about software and Jerry Jones did this, said this. Uh, he, he's like the best thing about business he goes, I'm like the 15th best oil and gas company. There's 14 companies better at what I do than me. And I own the Dallas Cowboys. Like that was what he said. Wow. And so the reality is like you can lose miserably and still have great success. It's not like, you know, the March Madness. That, that there's yeah. an abundance out there. There's an abundance within the world, within the environments that we live in, that just because one person's successful doesn't mean you can't be. Yeah. Right. You know, and that's my whole I go with the mentality of community together. Right. So if I build up this person, 
then that's great because then they get built up, but then it's like simultaneous building up. You yeah. know, it's just we all grow together as community, not just because one person's way up here yeah. and we're way down here. It doesn't mean there can't eventually be some some growth together. Yeah. It's okay, great. That person succeeded. Awesome. Yeah. Now it's my turn. Yeah. Now how do I succeed? And if that person continues to succeed, fantastic. Yeah. You know, it's not this limited knowledge. And that goes back to what you said earlier. Think bigger yeah. and think better than what you've been doing and yeah. then just execute. Yeah, that's right. Execute, 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 <laughs> as my board would tell me. Yeah. And, and, and with that, I just want to say thank you, Chris, so much oh, for coming on the show, appreciate man. It. I appreciate it. Again, thank you for being accommodating, bumping up the time, and even willing to get out of, out of here before March Madness becomes madness here in Uncle Earl's. Yeah. So for those listening and tuning in, whatever platform you're absorbing this, I really appreciate it. I know the guests do. Make sure that y'all share in the post, like the post, and just come on board and tell me what you think. You know, leave me a comment, good or bad. I just want to hear it. Are you liking what we're doing? Are you loving the guests we're having? What can we do to make it better? So that's it for this episode. Big shout out to our sponsors, Alvarez Construction, where they build more than a home or communities. They build a place for you and your family to achieve your dreams. They build what you want within your life and what's going to make your life better. And also to Triton Stone Group, a woman-owned, family-run business here and across the Gulf South. They are providing the tools in which to make your home a happier, healthier, and better place. So everybody, I am your host, Patty G of The Patty G Show, here with Chris Jordan of Omnideck. Thank you all so much, and we'll see you all later.